The press release today from Vancouver police was brief and it was stark. A woman they simply described as vulnerable is recovering from serious burns tonight after a man poured a flammable liquid on her and set it on fire. This happened around 1.30 a.m. Monday when the victim in her 50s was sitting on a sidewalk in Vancouver's downtown east side area. Police say the man fled. The woman ran to a nearby business to get help. They don't know who he is. They don't know what the motive was. And it comes just a few days after a gunman in the Vancouver suburb of Langley shot and killed two men who were believed to be homeless. We don't know what the motive there was either or whether they were targeted. Uh, Specifically, uh, the gunman was later shot and killed by police. Now, last summer, Vancouver police released a bystander video of a violent and unprovoked attack on a homeless man in the city's Yaletown neighborhood, which is really a bar area. And it's not just in Vancouver. Three homeless men were stabbed in Calgary last year in what police described as a hate crime. A 29 stats can report found that almost one in 10 Canadians had been homeless at some point. And in the 12 months before that survey, those who were experiencing homelessness reported violence against them at three times the rate of those who had never been homeless before. So what are we seeing here? Are we seeing a spike or a really disturbing trend in acts of violence, senseless, really grotesque violence against the most vulnerable in our society. To help us with that is Rachel Allen. She's a spokesperson for the Union Gospel Mission in Vancouver's downtown east side. Thanks for your time tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me today. This case that uh, that we're learning about today, I, I mean, it's sometimes crimes, you just see the short, you know, the short statement from police that kind of leaves out, mm-hmm. explains what happened. But this one is just absolutely shocking. I, I hate yeah. to use that word, but... What 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 do we know about it? Um, we basically know the same as you. We don't know much more right. than the press release. But to hear about this, as you said, just a, the same day actually that the shootings happened in Langley, it's just unthinkable and so heartbreaking. It just fills us with concern and sorrow and compassion for those people who were victims of these violent attacks and their loved ones because they're so valued and cherished in our community. And our hearts are just really heavy hearing about this today. Tell me about that. I mean, this is a community that you 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 see every day, you speak to mm-hmm. most days. Uh, what happens when these sorts of events take place within the community itself? I mean, I imagine there must be, it must be talked about. People must know who this person is. Um, I've talked to our outreach teams and they haven't heard anything directly from folks, but I can imagine after having something so violent, whether it's the fire or the shooting, I imagine people are just very afraid that they're they're thinking if this can happen to someone who looks like me or who's in the kind of situation that I'm in, experiencing homelessness, um, likely fearing that something similar could happen to them. And as you mentioned, it's not just these isolated incidences. Just sadly and devastatingly, we've seen in our community people who are marginalized just heartbreakingly are continually victims of these kinds of attacks and violence. Um, you mentioned a few examples, and I could mention a few more, but I think just it's abhorrent. Like we... We absolutely condemn this because we know that people in our community are so kind and warm and funny and incredible people, but often they're just met with a lot of judgment and stigma and now even violence. How much are you seeing? Because I know sometimes what happens within the media is it, you start, it starts to get reported and you see a lot more of it and you think, oh, it must be mm-hmm. increasing. But you do get the sense here that, it, that there's something going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even just thinking about this, I was just reflecting on what we had heard um, within the last few years. And just what comes to my mind is that this isn't the first time that we've heard of someone being lit on fire. Last winter in January 2021, we heard of another woman who was lit on fire so tragically when she was sleeping outside. 
just a few months ago in Vancouver, in West Vancouver at uh, a mall, a gentleman was hit in the head with rocks while he was sleeping. Um, and in Victoria last summer, there was a hit and run and someone was pepper sprayed. Um, and I think there was another individual that was just berated with firecrackers as a prank. So those examples, plus the ones you mentioned, um, we just continue to hear those things. And I think that it's just very disturbing for us. Rachel, I'm in Victoria. I know that over the course of the pandemic, you know, the the life on the street changed and things were, there was Mm -hmm. a different dynamic a little bit. How much has that played a role here, do you think, just in terms of, of, it feels like there is a certain tension out there now, and I'm not sure how to pinpoint it or, but someone in your position might be able, might be able Mm -hmm. to, to talk about it more intelligently than I can. Yeah, it does feel like that. And I think just thinking about the last few years that we've had, there's been a lot of different things happening. You know, we, we've had the COVID-19 pandemic. We're still in in the very midst of an opioid epidemic where people are dying from fatal overdoses at really staggering rates. Um, we have the housing crisis that's happening right now where, especially in Vancouver and across the province of BC, um, housing is very hard to come by, especially low-income housing. Our shelter has been continually full over the summer, which is very unseasonable um, for what we're used to seeing. Um, and now people are facing inflation, and then you add like in- violent incidences like these on top of everything. And I think it's just people are just being um, squeezed so much by barrier on top of barrier um, and crisis on top of crisis while they're just already trying to survive while experiencing homelessness, just looking for you know a, a warm place to lay their head at night if it's cold outside or their next meal on top of all these other things that are happening all at the same time. How does that impact the atmosphere within your within the gospel mission, also the work that you do? How does it impact your the community that you deal with every day? Yeah, I think it's hard to imagine the impact. I think that different folks are going through different challenges individually uh, every single day, and it's hard for us to maybe put ourselves in their shoes of maybe what someone's story is and the unique challenges that they're facing. Um, But I think people are feeling quite tired, just very exhausted. It's like an uphill battle all the time, Um, not only when you're experiencing homelessness and facing poverty, those barriers and challenges that you're trying to um, push up against when you're just trying to move forward in your life. But then, as I mentioned, all those different crises added on top, I think it just really wears people down, that it's hard to have enough stamina to keep fighting it. And now, even this week here in Metro Vancouver, we're under an extreme heat uh, event as well. And the heat is just crushing down on people and people are um, really struggling as a result. So I think it's just really hard. It's a hard time for folks. So what can be done? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously security is difficult, um, mm-hmm. you know, or that that's not really doesn't, I mean, when you have a vulnerable population that are on the street, it's very difficult, I mm-hmm. imagine, to, to protect and there's distrust with the, with the police as well. What can be mm-hmm. done to try to create a, an environment where these sorts of things don't happen? Absolutely. And when you ask that, I think what comes to mind is maybe some like um, individual ways that we can work at, work against this as individual people. Because I think when you hear these kinds of news stories, you're like, what can I do? This is so horrible. How can this even happen? Um, and then also on some more uh, systemic, more broad scale of what, what I think might be best, must best done to address these things. And I think on the more systemic level, all of those things are just such an example of why folks experiencing homelessness need housing now that if folks experiencing homelessness have safe homes and don't have to sleep outside, 
they wouldn't suffer those kinds of terrible attacks, whether it was the shootings or the fires or any other violent attacks like we've heard about, um, that more housing supports are so crucial just to protect people who are living outside from those risks um, and all the other challenges that they're facing. Um, but on more uh, yeah, like a, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go. Just that on, I guess, no, on, go, a personal, go, yeah. on a personal level, I think um, it's a lot more about engaging with maybe some of the stigma that we see or some of the judgment that's unfairly put on people in those communities because I think those kind of violent attacks don't just come out of thin air. There's often a lot of underlying um, maybe stereotypes or stigma against folks in our community that um, when they continue to be perpetuated, they can manifest in those kinds of um, violent attacks that we're seeing lately. I'm speaking with Rachel Allen. She's a spokesperson for the Union Gospel Mission in Vancouver's downtown east side. We're talking about a series of attacks recently, violence against uh, against people believed to be, I mean, in, in case at least described as vulnerable, but often people who are on the street. Uh, and just whether we're seeing an increase and why that could be, what can be done about it, we'll uh, continue with that when we get back. Rachel Allen is with us this half hour, a spokesperson for Union Gospel Mission in Vancouver's downtown east side. We've been talking about a, a rash of incidents, one uh, just on Monday where a woman was set on fire um, in that area as well. She's recovering tonight. There's no suspect uh, charged yet or arrested yet. We don't know uh, the motive yet. We've been talking about, though, just the rise, what feels like a rise in violence against uh, the most vulnerable on our streets. It got me thinking, Rachel, there's been all these other stories as well about mm-hmm. sort of random attacks on people in general. And, and that you get the impression then that people will be leery of sort of, you know, lending a hand or, 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 or reaching out in those mm-hmm. environments. We're getting a little more mistrustful of each other. Are you seeing that as well? As, and how should people who live in any major Canadian city, uh, you know, feel about people on the street and so on when there is this mm-hmm. sort of aura as well that people are being, that there's other violence going on as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. And I think when I think about these violent attacks and the folks in our community who are impacted by them, I think my heart just breaks at the thought of them feeling afraid to exist in their own communities. I think what my heart desires is for those folks to know that instead of having this fear that there's going to be a community around them, that there's going to be their neighbors that are looking out for them, who are coming alongside them, and just letting them know, like, you're welcome here, you're loved, you're valued, and you're cared for. Um, And as you shared, that with this rising um, violent attacks that we're seeing and maybe people getting more mistrustful or the, um, the existence of stigma, I think that we know that our response in our communities, there's a lot of amazing, incredible, loving, and empathetic people who are committed to walking alongside those struggling with homelessness um, and and really compassionate towards people in those communities. Um, but we also know that there are people who um, maybe unfairly judge or stigmatize folks in those communities. They maybe don't know anyone who is experiencing homelessness, and um, maybe there's just a fear of the unknown. And so it's hard to think about how we respond to this or maybe what we can do. And I think... When I think about this, I think often maybe there's really great people who hear others maybe making comments, stigmatizing comments, and just don't speak up uh, when they hear their friends or family saying something because they just don't want to walk the boat or it's uncomfortable to speak up. Um, but I think in responding to the instances we've seen today that um, there's implications of that stigma that it maybe it's a passing comment that doesn't seem to hurt anyone, but these comments are obviously having deep roots in um, our understandings of, of society and other people. And so I think if we want to see that compassion permeate into our society, we can't wait for people to speak out and stand up. 
uh, for those who might not, not have that voice in the room. Like we need to really all work together um, to have greater compassion to care for every single person. Uh, you know, here in Victoria, we've had tent cities. I know you've had them there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two have created sort of a sense of, uh, you know, there's sort of a, a conflict going on within different communities. How do you break that down? How do you how do you try to break that down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And for myself personally, I think what how I see it is that I think we've kind of created a society, or um, yeah, created the way that we see the world as more of a them and us, where we see us as the people that are similar to us, that look like us, that have similar jobs or experiences that we do, and then them who people are different from us that maybe are living unhoused on the street or struggling with addiction. And we see that the divide is really big, that there's a lot that is different and we don't know and we don't trust what's different. And we see maybe folks in those communities as the source of, um, yeah, conflict that we see um, or just misunderstandings. But I think that there's so much more that connects us than what separates us. And from working at UGM, I really relish and love my conversations with individuals that really there's so much that I have in common with people that where they've been, the perspectives they have on life that sometimes I think it really could be me in their shoes and just one difference in the way that our lives turned out. And so I think the big underlying factors, we never know where someone is coming from, that no one chooses to experience homelessness, that people have so many vastly different stories. And so when we start to realize that oftentimes these folks are our neighbors, our family members, um, parts of our communities, then we can start to close that gap. I imagine too, I mean, I'm just watching rents climb everywhere. You must be seeing more people. You must be seeing more people that are finding themselves in these situations Mm -hmm. where they're suddenly having to learn what it's like to be vulnerable. Absolutely. And I think the most, the recent um, crises of the last few years, whether it was the COVID pandemic, um, and rising inflation, the housing crisis, sometimes people are just one paycheck away from not being able to pay their rent or families that maybe have a house, but they are forced to choose between whether they're going to pay for a meal or um, be able to afford their rent. Or right now, even during the heat wave we're experiencing, some folks might not be able to afford to run cooling systems and they're wondering, should I get a meal for my family or do I need to keep my house cool? And so a lot of times now with these things that are pushing us to the, to the extreme, we're seeing that a lot of people are being put in situations that they never would have imagined that they would be before. Any last thoughts? I mean, this is just one of those incidents that, that again, as I said off the top, it boggles the mind that someone would do mm-hmm. that to another living person, uh, especially someone vulnerable, someone in that kind of an environment. Um, what should we take away from this? You know, oftentimes these these situations, they're you know they're talked about for a few days and then we wait mm-hmm. to the next one. Uh, what mm-hmm. would you like to see done so that doesn't happen? Absolutely. I think that I would just like to underscore that, you know, the ripple effect of these violent attacks can make people in these communities experiencing homelessness feel so dehumanized and ostracized and stigmatized, like they aren't safe, that they don't belong. But yet, on the other hand, a simple and kind interaction can just have such a powerful reverse ripple effect. You don't even realize maybe the impact that simply saying hello, making eye contact, sharing a smile with someone, asking them how they're doing can have. That from where we are at UGM, we've seen that these small acts of kindness and compassion and care can really convey to someone that they're seen, they're cared for, and they're loved. And one of our core values at UGM is relationships. And we really believe in building individual relationships with people in our community, walking alongside them, getting to know them, 
And we've seen just how powerful it can be to give people confidence when they know that someone cares about them and what they're going through. And not only can it transform their life, but it really also transforms entire communities. And so we're really convinced that we can transform our communities for the better just through these simple acts of kindness. Is there a way of doing that while still being able to root out some of the, I hate the word bad apples, but some of the ones mm. who, are, who, are, who are the predators, so to speak? Mm. I think I would just go back to what I mentioned earlier about mm. it really all starts with underlying judgments, misunderstandings, and stigmatization. But I don't think you get these violent incidences out of nowhere, but maybe um, in fears that people have that maybe are rooted in, again, um, thinking that people are quite different than us, that they can't be trusted and whatnot. And so I think it all starts with just the people around you that obviously you want to make those amazing interactions with folks that you see on the street and having those relationships. But you can also use the relationships you already have with your friends and family. If you hear comments being made or you hear, you know, people making judgments about folks in those scenarios, say something. It can be really challenging, but I think even just saying, hey, I don't know if that's fair to say that or actually... This is what I've experienced when I've talked to somebody in that situation. I think you never know the impact that that can have in undoing the effects um, that lead to these kind of violent incidents. We'll leave it at that. Rachel Allen, thank you so much for your thoughts tonight. Thank you so much. Appreciate having me here.